Got a great, uh, just a great start today and looking so much forward to doing these on a regular basis with new folks that are coming in. And I want to give you something to mark your calendar for also, if you would. Uh, We had initially set our our annual friend day for the end of this month, but uh, your pastor had a kind of a brain lapse and didn't remember that there was a um, a little thing called the time change on the last Sunday of the month. And we're not going to fight that uh, to try to have a big attendance day on the day that we change our clocks. So we're going to shove that back one week, uh, the first Sunday of November. November, I believe it's the 4th. It's the first Sunday of November. Uh, we're going to encourage you to invite a friend to come with you and uh, be your guest at, at church that day. Um, we have done this once, uh, and it's going to be an annual thing. We did it last October, and uh, we had a high attendance that day of 77, which was about double what we were running on a regular basis uh, at the time. And uh, we need to have over 100 this time to, to be able to continue and we will have, if every one of us just brings one person, we'll have over 100. It'll be a great, great day. So we're looking forward to that. That uh, That's going to be uh, uh, November uh, the 4th. want to uh, start a new series this morning entitled, How's Your Health? By the way, we're not asking about your physical health. I hope you're in good physical health. Nothing worse than feeling bad, is there? Uh, well, I can think of a few things worse. But, but uh, you know, in our physical health, health, we want it to be good. But we're going to be talking about our spiritual health this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will be our, our text. One of, the, one of the topics that has grabbed the attention of pastors and those in the business of growing churches over the past few years is church health. Church growth doesn't seem to be less important than it was, but it's understood that the health of a church is much more important than its size. If a church is healthy, it'll grow spiritually and it'll grow numerically. The size of a church doesn't necessarily determine whether or not it's a healthy church. In fact, the average church in America is said to run less than 100 in attendance. Uh, a lot of time we want to compare our church with some mega church somewhere. We think of our church and then we think of the church that runs thousands somewhere and we think of how insignificant we are uh, uh, as compared to that big church. But I'd like to tell you we are just as significant as that big church. We are just as important in the whole scheme of things. What we need to do is to realize that like, uh, like Queen Esther in the, in the Old Testament, we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We are here. We are placed by God in this place for a purpose. And while our purpose may not be to minister to thousands every Sunday morning, we have a purpose in what we are doing every Sunday morning and every other morning of the week. For we are the church. And the church is more than Sunday. 
If we're to do what God has placed us here on earth to do, we're going to have to have a healthy church. Our church's health depends on our individual spiritual health as believers. For, in fact, we are the church. This is not the church. This building is not the church. You and I are the church. This just so happens to be the place we meet. And we may even refer to it. I'm sure the people of the Nampa School District would be thrilled to hear me talk about this building during the week when I talk about going down to the church. It's just an old habit, you know, of where you meet, you call it, that's the church. It's a church building. Well, the truth is, you and I are the church. And as the body of Christ manifested in this world, we as individual members must, must each be in good spiritual health. Or, in fact, the whole body will suffer. Which brings us to our text in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 25. It says that there should be no schism in the body, or that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. There are some things that are true of a healthy Christian life, and thus they are true of a healthy church. And I want to I want to talk to you about those things this morning. I want to give you seven of them as the time permits. Let me give you those this morning. First of all, a healthy church. A healthy Christian life is biblically based. It's biblically, that's a hard word to say, biblically, yeah, it's based on the Bible. <laughs> Amen, I should have said that in the first place, shouldn't I? It would have taken a whole lot less effort. The Word of God is our necessary food. And, and, and our church will never be healthy unless our diet consists of the right kind of spiritual food. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Desire the sincere milk of the word, or the pure milk of the word of God, that you may grow thereby. You know what? If we, uh, uh, one of the problems in, in, the, in, in many Christian lives is that we are too busy going uh, to the spiritual McDonald's or the spiritual jack-in-the-box or uh, the, sorry about this, the Taco Bells. Uh, yes, oh, I got some eyebrows raised on that one, didn't I? The spiritual Taco Bells, the spiritual uh, McDonald's, the, uh, the Burger Kings, all those fast food joints that you know we think of as filling our veins with cholesterol and making us live a shorter time. That's what we're doing spiritually many times because we, we're not really getting into the pure milk of the word. And if our, our Christian lives are going to be healthy, we need to be feeding on healthy spiritual food. And the same thing holds true of the church. Of course, you know, and of course, when I, when I speak of the church, I'm talking about it in a corporate sense now. If we get caught up in a lot of programs and things that eliminate the word of God, we get we get caught up in a lot of things that that are that are really 
You know, they're, they're good things to do, but they're, the word of God is thrown out. I'm going to tell you, our church will be sick and our church will suffer as a result. But if you and I as individual believers will feast on the word of God on a daily basis, yes, a daily basis, we'll be healthy and we'll bring that good health with us to the, to the corporate assembly of the church whereby we can do the right things as a church then. One of the reasons many churches have problems is because uh, that they're not eating right during the week. They're not spiritually mature. So on Sunday, they bring all that baggage and all that worldliness and all that stuff that they've gathered up during the week, and then they just add each other, you know, having problems with their brothers and sisters in Christ and not acting like Christians act and having bad attitudes and all that kind of stuff. Folks, this kind of stuff is, it, it can be eliminated if we have the right kind of spiritual diet during the week as well as on Sunday. I'm not, not, not limiting the fact that the, that the Word of God ought to be preached. It ought to be taught. It ought to be the, it ought to be the centerpiece for, for every meeting that we have, God's Word. But we've got to live it on a daily basis so we can be healthy. Unless we're, we're a healthy, as, as a church, we're not going to be able to give a good reason for the hope that we have. Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. In the, in the latter part of the verse, he says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. In other words, know something about what you believe. Every one of us needs to know what we believe and why we believe it. If we expect to be able to defend the faith as we're told to do. Let me ask you a question. This is hypothetical. What if somebody came up to you and said, how do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? How do you know there is a heaven? How do you know there is a God? That's a, uh, more, a, a question being asked more and more in the day we live in. Why don't you Baptists speak in those unknown languages like other churches seem to do? Why don't, why don't y'all do that? Why don't you, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? What do you, why do you believe that once you're saved, you're always saved? Why do you believe that? What kind of answer would you give them? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Yeah, that's a really, uh, <laughs> that's a quick one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Most people say, you know what? I know I just always believed that. And, and you know what? Man, I'd be glad to hook you up with our pastor. And I bet you he can explain that to you real quick. <laughs> now, now, am I right or am I wrong? Isn't that kind of what we do? Every one of us should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have within us. We gotta, that means we got to know what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, we're, I, had a, <laughs> I had a fellow ask me the other day. I was, uh, I was showing a, a house to, uh, to a, uh, a family, and this guy said, uh, So what brought you to Idaho? Some reason people know that I'm not from Idaho. <laughs> I don't understand that, but yeah. I, so what's the matter, y'all? Anyway, but anyway, I said, well, you know, I said, uh, came up here to start a church. 
And he looked at me. He already knew this because one of his family members already told him. I know he knew it because he knew some other things about me were a whole lot less important. But he said, so you come up here and start church. You start your own religion? <laughs> and I said, well, we are in Idaho, aren't we? I mean, you know, we got militias and cults. That's what we're not really. I said, no, I didn't come up here to start, start my own religion. But, but you know what? People, people ask us some really weird questions. And we ought to be able to give an answer to those things. And, they, and they're not always hard. And sometimes, you know what the best, best answer to a question is? I don't know, but I'll get back to you. I, I, contrary to what I tell my wife on a regular basis, I don't have all the answers. And sometimes I have to get back to you. Scott and I were talking this morning. He said, he said he's not always right, but he's never wrong. Or was that me that said that? One of the, uh, yeah, the, we were talking. I do remember that part. But but you know what we do? We kind of we, we we kind of think we have to have all the answers. But folks, we don't have to have all the answers. We got to be able to get in the book and find them, though. And sometimes, you know, there's times when I I don't know the answer to something, and I have to go study it out. And sometimes it takes doing more than just going and finding the the, the reference in the Bible. Because it might be a difficult passage. Don't be afraid, but be prepared. Be biblically based. The uh, and one of the things I'm at just a little commercial. Our uh, our one on one class is a great place to get started with that. That's uh, that's that's the primary purpose of of these discipleship classes is beginning with membership and going from there. We'll go into 201, which basically talks about how to have a, have a quiet time and a, and a time with the Lord and, a, and how to study the Bible. Excuse me. And uh, that sort of thing. And then, and, and then we go beyond that and talk about ministry itself, how we're shaped for ministry in the next class. 301 talks about how that each one of us can have a part and be involved in the ministry of the Lord. And, uh, and then beyond that, we talk about our mission, how to, how to carry out. 401 is... is uh, is how to be involved in the mission that God has placed us here for. Number two, in your notes, we're talking about to be healthy. We've got to be Bible-based. But secondly, a healthy church and a healthy Christian life is mutually con- uh, concerned. What do I mean by that? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. It's part of the great commandment. Actually, it's the, it's the addition to the greatest of all commandments that Jesus added to it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Do you really care about the others in your church? Do you really care about the others in your church? I hope the answer to that is yes. You know, it... There is such a blessing when we, when we are concerned about others. There are people who are not here today that, that are not here. We don't know why they're here. You know, one of the greatest encouragements to me is, is to know that somebody cares about me and missed me and just says, hey, you, you don't know how I, mean, I didn't see you in church today or, or I hadn't seen you in a while. Are you, is everything okay? We're afraid to even do that. Or sometimes we're not afraid. We, we're, 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 we're we just neglect, don't we, to do that? If you care about people, check on them. 
I thank God for the prayer chain that, that Leray started for us. It's small. It needs to be bigger. If you're not on that prayer chain, you ought to get on it. You know what? You don't have to be a great prayer warrior to be on a prayer chain. It just means that you'll pray for somebody when they ask you to pray for them. We, uh, Melanie's granddad, uh, had a heart attack last week. And, man, it didn't take us long. We had everybody on that prayer chain praying for him. And it means a lot. And, and, and the more on there, the better. Everybody in church ought to be on it, actually, really. It's just a... Because it shows concern, a mutual concern. Our love for one another will make us stronger and it will help us to, to better bear one another's burdens as Galatians 6.2 says we should. Number three, it's socially connected. A healthy church is socially connected. Hebrews 10.24 and 25 Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You know what? You know what this says to me? Yeah, it says we ought to come to church. We shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But it also says more than church. Because you know when you're... When you are considering someone else in order to stir them up, to encourage them, to help them to, uh, to, to feel better about life, to, to encourage them to keep on going when they're hurting, you've got to have a little tighter relationship than you have with somebody that you see on Sunday morning for, and you have a chance to pass maybe a minute's worth of conversation with. So we don't have a lot of time here. What this does, it speaks volumes to me about the need for small group ministry. Our small group ministry is one of the most important things we do. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I want to tell you, it is in that small group setting where you can get to know someone else. It's in that small group setting where you can share a prayer request and say, you know, because there's only a few of you there. In fact, uh, the group we have going right now needs to divide. We've got too many of us. Man alive, we were in, flowing into the second room the other night. It's going to be bigger this coming Thursday just because we're doing the Class 101 on that, on that night. But we're getting ready to need to divide that, divide that group. But you get about six or eight people together on a regular basis, and you're sharing your needs and praying for each other. And somebody says, you know what? I, I, some, someone in, in our group... Some time ago, said, you know, here's an interesting prayer request. Pray for my attitude. Would you ever do that in a church setting like this? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, you might come into some individual and say, pray for my attitude. But when you can tell six or eight people, I'm really struggling with having a bad attitude about something. Would you pray for me? And yeah, we can do that. We don't even have to know what, what the attitude situation is. Just that, man, somebody's struggling kind of neat to know somebody cares about you wants to raise you up in prayer that's where ministry takes place being mutually concerned loving each other is so so important and what that does is it connects us socially those social connections are, are so important because we've got to be able to interact with each other 
churches as much fellowship, assembly, as it is formal worship. The meaning of the word church? A called out body of believers or assembly of believers. That's what the word literally means. So it's, it's an assembly. It's a fellowship. And we need that fellowship one with another to be healthy. We give you a fourth thing. A healthy Christian life, a healthy church is financially stable. Some of you are already saying, oh, no, man, I must be, I must be an ICU. Uh, you know, I'm talking spiritually here, okay? I'm, I'm talking also the fact that, you know what? When you're walking with God, it doesn't mean you're going to have all kinds of money. But what it does mean is you're going to manage your money correctly. Uh, when, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, it is required in stewards or managers that one be found faithful. The church needs to practice good stewardship as a testimony in the community. You know, if, if anything, God's church ought to have a good reputation for paying their bills. If anything, Christians ought to have a good re- reputation for paying their bills as well. You know, I never forget, I, I worked for a cleaning company in, in uh, Springfield, Missouri, when I was um, in in Bible college, and uh, I ran a crew of about uh, probably about forty janitors. Worst job I ever had in my life, I think, except for digging a foundation one time. I had to do that one time, and I hated that worse. <laughs> but the reason it was bad is because it was it was nighttime, and it was. You know, I was overseeing a bunch of college kids that were that were supposed to be out there cleaning buildings while, you know, the businesses were closed. And I'd finally give up about 1 o'clock in the morning and go home and think my night is through. And about 6 o'clock, the phone would ring. <laughs> I'm grabbing the, the phone, you know, hello. Hello. <laughs> what? This is so-and-so. Says, my alarm didn't go off. It's supposed to have been at work three hours ago. I said, what are you calling me for? <laughs> get back out there and go, get over and get your job done before the place cl- opens up. But, but you know, one of the things about college kids is they're a little bit, they haven't learned, some of them haven't learned the value of, uh, of managing their money properly. We cleaned a bank. I cleaned several banks, and I was talking to one of my contact one of the banks, and and they said uh, they were having such bad bad problem with uh, with the uh, the problem with NSF checks, with checks bouncing all over town. You know, people writing bad checks. And I said, well, you know, uh, who are your worst offenders? And they said, well, as a big group, probably all the college kids. There's like thirty five thousand college students in that town at that time. All the different colleges, there was a big state school there. And I don't know what else. And I said, well, out of all those colleges, which one of them's the worst? Baptist Bible College. <laughs> the one that I went to. <laughs> now, we had a we had a Pentecostal Bible College there in the same town. I guess they were better than we were because, after all, they could lose their salvation if they didn't <laughs> take care of it right. But 
But those secure Baptists, they were out there floating checks everywhere. What a poor testimony. What a poor testimony. Man, I was embarrassed. My wife, in fact, we lived there for about three months before school started. We moved like in at the first of the summer just to kind of get our house set up and get ready. And she'd been going to the store and doing it as before the days of the debit card. And she'd write a check for groceries or whatever it was she needed. Nobody ever asked her for ID or anything. She was uh, already, you know, a, a mature adult. She was, she was, we were in our thirties and we went up there and, and we, you know, it was just kind of one of the things I just didn't ask. School started and, uh, she was talking with, uh, somebody in the line or something as I remember. And, um, they, she mentioned that, that her husband was a student at, at, uh, at the college and ID please. That is such a poor testimony. Believers ought to have a testimony of being good managers and and doing what is right. Now, if you're poor, that's one thing. But being a poor manager is another thing. We have got to be financially stable. And the church is the same thing. And the first church I pastored, I was almost scared to walk into a local business. You know, that's back in the days when we didn't use a credit card everywhere. You actually had an account at that wherever it was, a hardware store or wherever it was. And, and the church I pastored had been such a poor testimony in the community before I got there that, man alive, we owed everybody in town. We had to have good credit. problem is we never paid any of them. I say we, they didn't. And when we got there, God gave us... By his grace, the ability to clean all that up. We had a great testimony before we left. But what a, what a poor testimony. People in the world, do you think they want to be a part of something that is that, that doesn't live what they say they believe? So we've got to be financially stable. We want, to, we want to use good business practices, but at the same time, as a church, we want to, we, we want to use good business practices, but we're always going to be living by faith. I mean, sometimes, you know, you do things that God leads you to do that don't make a lot of sense, uh, humanly speaking. Uh, But at the same time, you don't do something that's a poor testimony. Our our problem as believers is we're not healthy in our spiritual life because we have not come to a point where we understand who owns all the things in our lives. God owns all the stuff in our lives. He's the owner. Not us. We're just managers. Our job is to manage what he owns. And when we as individuals are healthy, as, as individual believers, our church will be healthy on a corporate basis. Number five, healthy Christian life has clearly understood vision. Clearly understood vision. We need to know who we are. And as a church, we need to know who we are. We are Christ's body manifested in this place. We are much more than a social club. If there's anything right today, I think it's got to be a stench in the nostrils of God. It's got to be churches that want to have a great time on Sunday and want to be entertained on Sunday 
but they go out and live like they don't even know him during the week. Folks, that is hypocrisy, and we cannot be guilty of that. that you talk about, if we're going to be healthy, we've got to live every day. And, and, and the focus of our church has got to be, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, I want to get ahead of myself, but our focus needs to be on, on people who need to know the Lord and on bringing glory to the Lord. We sing that song, Glory in the Highest. We want to bring glory to Him in every way in our, in our, in our lives. And, and we've got to understand what, what God wants for, what our calling is. In order to be healthy as a believer... To, to, to be really strong as a believer, I've got to know why I'm here on earth. I've got to know what my calling is. Just for instance, if I'd have moved to Idaho thinking, you know, that's a nice place to live, I think I might like to go up there and just find myself a place to live up there. And, and uh, yeah, I could probably preach. I could probably pastor. I've done that for a while. And, I, you know, and just kind of sort through that kind of stuff. I could have come here and I could have had a certain amount of success based on my abilities. But coming here knowing that God has called me here, we don't have any option. We've got to succeed because God's called it. He's ordained it. And folks, it's not just me as a pastor planning a church. It's you where you're ministering on a daily basis in your job and your if in your family every place we go we got to understand our calling what is our purpose what does god want from us in our lives when you do you're strong when you know what your calling is you're less apt to turn away from it and less apt to fail in it And we need to know what God is directing us to do in the future. We need to know what he's directing us to do in the future. There are some different ways to determine this. We've got to look and see what the scripture has to say about what, what decisions we're about to make. Whether it's individuals or whether it's the church in a corporate sense. Look at the scripture and see what it has to say. Or, or consider the circumstances. You know, God leads sometimes through our circumstances. He opens doors. He closes doors. Consider, consider the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The impressions that the Spirit of God makes on our spirit. It's those times when you don't know why you just know. You haven't violated anything in the book. You haven't violated anything that God has, 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 has uh, revealed to us in his revealed will. But you just know that God wants you to do it. I'll give you for instance. When God called me to preach, I had a really good job. Somebody asked me, said, how do you know you're called to preach? I said, I don't know. I just know. <laughs> I just know. I just know I can't do anything but that because that's what God wants me to do. You see, that's the impression of the Spirit of God. When God's speaking to you, He makes He makes it very clear, and and it's a great thing if you, you know if you if, because you've got freedom to do what you want to do because you're wanting to do the right thing. He can close the door. He can keep you from going through the wrong one. 
Let me give you the sixth thing. Oh, by the way, before I get away from that, let me uh, let me tell you the best way to find out what God wants you to do in the future. Ask Him. <laughs> you know, it's like we think God's hard of hearing or something, or he, he He doesn't know how to talk anymore. But let me tell you something. God still speaks. He still hears us, and He still speaks. James one five says, "If any man lacks wisdom." That's what we need if we want to know what God wants from us. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all things liberally and without reproach. God wants to give you the wisdom. And then one of the the most awesome things is to just stop and say, I know. I have the wisdom to do that because I asked God for it and he gave it to me. Now, you're not arrogant. You're not being proud. You're just saying, thank God for, by His grace, He gave me this wisdom to know what to do. Great confidence comes with that. Number six, to be a healthy church, to be a healthy believer, means to have a positive outlook. Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus said, Upon this rock I, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's an interesting interesting statement. And sometimes I think people kind of get a little get a little mixed up in that because they think, Well, the gates of hell are not gonna do anything to hurt me. I'm gonna tell you something, that's not what he's saying. Gates are not offensive weapons. Gates are defensive weapons. You put up a gate to keep people out. You put up a gate to keep the enemy out. Upon this rock I will build my church upon him. He's the rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will tear down the gates of hell. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. We've got to have a positive outlook. You know, we've we got to be careful that not to look at ourselves or, or, or even, for that matter, as our, our, our little church as something that's insignificant. Our little church, we, we're kind of the little church in the wildwood. We just meet out there and we don't mount to much, but just us few folks out there. And I want to tell you what. Jesus Christ is building this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we have 50 folks. Who cares? We'll tear down our share of the gates of hell. When my wife and I stopped and prayed in front of that Mormon building over there, I hate to even call it a thing a church, over there on on, uh, Greenhurst, before we moved here, we stopped and sat in the, in the, in the parking lot of, of, of West Valley or East Valley, whichever valley, that junior high across the street from it there. Some of our kids go to that school. I always get mixed up by the name. It seems like it's the opposite of what it should be. It's East Valley, but we're in the West Valley. Anyway, we sat in the parking lot of that church or of that school looking at that building and and ask God to give us Napa for him. Two people. Insignificant. Not with God. This little church, insignificant. 
not with God. We are God's church. We are part of God's army. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Folks, small-mindedness is contagious. You need to see yourself as God sees you. Full of potential. Planted here for a purpose. That's what this church is. Planted here for a purpose. You and I are here for a purpose. We're not insignificant. God placed us here for a reason. Let me give you the last and the, and the, and, and the final one. Number seven. It has an outward focus. The healthy Christian life, the healthy church, has an outward Christian or, or an outward focus. Excuse me. You've got to remember that the job of the church is to make disciples until Jesus comes again. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen is the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Means literally. As you are going, make disciples. That's the job of the church. We've got to have an outward focus. You see, dead or dying churches are churches that have fallen into the mindset that they are either some sort of an elite social club that meets together on Sundays for the sake of worship or, or something else. And they've forgotten that the fields are ripe unto harvest. I've seen churches like this. I've been in churches like this. They think that, you know, that, that passage where Jesus said, the fields are, pray, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors into his harvest. Well, they do that. They just don't want to be part of those laborers. God send somebody else. Don't send us. We're, you know, pe- the, the people in that church across town could be really used of God if you just get a hold of their hearts. It's somebody else. Just don't send me. And that's the attitude of a lot of churches. Well, they, 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 they want to meet together. They sing the, the same songs we do. They praise God. They enjoy the fellowship. But there's no outward focus. William F. Taylor writes, We travel through this world only once, so let us live to some purpose. The day that dawned this morning will never come again. The opportunities it brought will never return. If we fail to fill our measure of time with the service it requires of us, there will be no possibility of returning to this day to repair the mischief. The wheels of time's chariot have ratchets on them. They move only forward. Folks, we're not here by accident. We're here for a purpose. And if we are to succeed at the job that the Lord has placed us here to do, we're going to have to use our time wisely. And we're going to have to be in the very best health, spiritually speaking, that we can be. My question to you this morning How is our health as a church? Brand new baby church just getting started. How's our health as a church? Which begs a question. How's your health? For you see, you are the church. How is your health? 
Is your life based on the Word of God? Are you mutually concerned? Are you uh, able to bear your, your neighbor's burdens, have a concern for them? Are you socially connected? Or do you just show up on Sunday morning and don't want any part of the church other than Sunday morning? Are you financially stable? Are you a good manager of what God has given you? Do you have clear vision of your calling? Is yours a positive outlook? Are you focused outward? Are you aware that people need Jesus Christ and it's our job to bring them to him? Bow your heads with me, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've basically spoken to the church this morning, but this message is for anyone that God would Give them ears to hear. We need to be in good health. We're going to accomplish our purpose in life. Our purpose in life comes through Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you're not sure you have a relationship with Him, you're not sure of your relationship with God through Christ, uh, you're not sure you'd go to heaven when you die. Because you can't look back to a time when you called on Jesus Christ to be your Savior. I want to invite you to do that just now. You know what? For you, this is the most important time of the service. Now, we're just about done. But I want to tell you, there's no more important part of this service for you than this one right here. If you will bow your head, admit to God that you've, that you've failed Him, that you've sinned. All of us have. Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you will just admit that to God, if you will just tell the Lord, confess, agree, that's what the word confess means, agree with God that you've sinned, and if you got what you deserve, you wouldn't get to go to heaven. You wouldn't have a relationship with God at all. You'd have to suffer in hell for eternity. But God doesn't want that. He wants you to be with him. He wants your relationship restored with him. So all you need to do is to call on him. The Bible said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just ask him to come into your heart and your life. Invite him to be your savior. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your savior, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. You pray with me if you need to. You just pray privately and, and silently, and God will hear it, and he'll answer it, and you'll be saved. Pray with me this simple prayer. Dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner, and I'm deeply sorry that I failed you. And I ask your forgiveness for my sin. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to pay for my sin. He died in my place, paying my payment. So I accept him and the gift of his salvation that he offers. And I invite him to come into my life.
and to be my personal Savior and to, and to be the Lord of my life. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Our heads are still bowed. Some of you may have prayed that prayer for the first time. I wonder this morning, you prayed that prayer for the first time. May I pray for you? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I won't call your name or come to you or embarrass you in any way. I just want to know so I can pray for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning to receive Christ, just raise your hand so I can see it. Nobody else is looking, just you and I. Just slip it up high. I wonder this morning, we talk about our spiritual health. Sometimes it's we get a little, it's kind of like we got a little little virus or something going around. We kind of fall into a trap and, and because other people are not uh, not serving the way they should, we kind of fall into that same trap of indifference and apathy. I wonder this morning, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe he's spoken to your heart about some other area. Maybe, maybe you just got a need in your life that only you and the Lord know about. You're walking with God and but, but you just need someone else to, to stand in prayer with you. I'd like to do that. I'd like to pray with you and for you. If there's a prayer need in your life, would you just slip up your hand so I can see it? Anybody? God bless you. You? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. You can put them down now. Hands went up all over the room. And Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for these that have asked for prayer today. I'm grateful for each one of them, Lord. I uh, pray, Lord, that you'll bless them. Lord, I don't know what's going on in lives that people would ask for prayer, but I know you do, and there's nothing too hard for you. I ask you, Father, this morning that you would just minister to these folks. And, Lord, if there's something we can do to minister to them, you would make it uh, us aware of that and them aware of that, that we might be mutually concerned and socially connected as we should be. God, I pray that you'd help our church to continue to uh, to to make the strides that we've been making, and Lord, that there's been just such a, a spirit of excitement in in our in our church, Lord, this brand new church just getting started for you. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Help us to continue to be strong and healthy, Lord. Make us aware when we start maybe getting on the edge of something that might be unhealthy for us. Help us to follow you in every way. Lord, I just thank you for these people. I just thank you for calling me to uh, to be their pastor. I want to I want to minister to them and with them, and Lord to to love them and to and to walk alongside them and to fellowship with them. God, thank you for each one of them. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless them, every family. And so, Lord, we have some folks that are not here today. I don't. Some of them may be out of town or traveling or whatever. I pray you bless them and help them. And, Lord, others that just have uh, a, a need to be in better spiritual health, I pray for them as well. And, Lord, I pray that you'll just bless us now as we wind up this service, that you'll be glorified with our lives throughout this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.